Hello, and welcome to Dynasty As They Want to Be, a podcast where we drill into every episode of the iconic 1980s television series, Dynasty. I'm your host, Derek J. Lang, and with me as always is my co-host, Kyler K. Jafari. Hello, Sailor. Oh, hi. Is it Fleet Week here at Dynasty As They Want to Be? I don't know. I heard the bears are in town. Uh-oh, convergence. <laughs> Get out your, your stun gun or whatever you're supposed to use. Growl. I don't know if you saw this, but Joan Collins is back in the news. She wrote a article for spectator magazine when has she ever been out of the news come on mm, she loves it good point good point but the headline this uh, article recently came out the headline is joan collins i know where dynasty went wrong do you want me to <laughs> read please some select pray tell where did dynasty go wrong okay do you want me to do the voice or not no please don't the voices it never works nobody can sound like joan collins just just read it recovering from a bad no. cold and bored tears by the fair on television netflix amazon and hulu it's shocking how much schlock there is with so many choices i broke open a big box set of dynasty and started binge watching first of all would she use the phrase binge watching i don't know if she wrote this anyway well maybe she's you know she's learned one of them terms the kids are using these days yeah Who yeah knows? that's probably what it is it occurred to me that i had actually never seen the series except for a few snippets here and there and i was curious to see why the show's ratings started to plummet after the fifth season now this is interesting because you know i had a conversation with joan recently and she did reveal that to me that she hadn't really watched the show. I mean, it's not really that interesting. It just kind of confirms what we already knew from the interview, but sure. Okay, I'll continue. Was it the hideousness of the clothes? Mine weren't so bad, sometimes, but the skirts and trousers were so baggy and shapeless that, coupled with the enormous shoulder pads, they all made us look like about four foot ten. They also watered the storyline down by bringing in a plethora of characters portrayed by big names such as Charlton Heston, Barbara Stanwyck, Ali McGraw, Rock Hudson. I feel and like we're really getting far ahead here. My I mean, pal. we're talking about season five things, which I've already complained about. Yeah, okay, well, I'll stop. And then she starts going into the Moldavia thing. And Here's my question. Is any of this shocking? Why is this shocking to Joan? I think everybody regards that when they started doing the Moldavia stuff and a bunch of the stunt casting, that that's when it was going astray. I mean, I believe the paleontology would reveal that seasons four and five are okay to not very good, depending. And then season six and seven, and then you get into the Moldavia thing. Terrible. That's where, that's where the show kind of jumps the shark, I guess. I just like the fact when I read this story that Joan is like, cracking open the box set of dynasty and watching it for the very first time because that's what you know we do we crack open the box set and we watch it and hopefully you darlings at home are doing the same thing so it's just nice to know that joan is in the same position that we is even though you know she was starring in the show 40 years ago i just think it's a, a fun vision you know like joan at home you know, ripping open some cellophane on a box set. Now, here's the thing. Do you think she knows how to put a DVD into it? You be nice to Joan. Uh, uh, she knows how Joan. to use We're, technology. Uh, Come on. Okay. I just, I like the idea of just seeing her, you know, like well-manicured fingers, like fumbling around with the DVD. Oh, dear. How do I, where do I stick this thing? <laughs> 
<laughs> a DVD player. What does DVD stand for? I don't. You know, actually, the the crazy thing about all of that is like DVD is now like you know the cassette tape of our time. You can't even like play them on any device anymore. So. Oh, I know. It, I have to basically go to the NASA GPL laboratory in Pasadena to figure out how to play a DVD on my computer because there's no there's no drive connected to it. So. Well, you know, if you want to dig in the mines and find cultural artifacts sometimes dvd is the only way you can get your hands on some of these things i know it especially felt- since they took it away from us on amazon <sighs> yes hashtag justice for dynasty i don't know if we've updated have we updated people i know we have on social media but there have been a few developments so cbs viacom is launching a streaming service yes Another streaming service. So that's why they took the dynasty away from Amazon. Well, that's kind of the theory with me and the darlings out there is that maybe the reason that they didn't re-sign the licensing agreement with Amazon Prime is because they want to have that on this new streaming service. That the reason launch. is that, not the reason is because we've all been to college. Wow, this makes for a very enthralling podcast. We're going to correct well, each other's grammar. Well, it seems to be the in thing to do, which is revoke all of your properties from Amazon Netflix because you were just giving away precious cargo apparently. And now like you can start up your own channel and have a CBS channel, a Disney channel. We're going to have a channel for like every freaking thing. Um and so now we're going to just go back to the old days where you have to like pay $100 a month if you want to watch. Oh, honey, we're already there. We're already there. So I, I here's the thing though, if CBS Viacom does launch a streaming service where they offer all the seasons of dynasty and other things i'm sure i'll subscribe just to support them like what else is it gonna be cagney and lacy the new heart show keep going uh wings oh shit that was nbc <laughs> yeah how dare I, i'm you. just spitballing at this point but like i mean does do we really need a cbs you know, streaming channel. I sure. Don't know, maybe we do. No, we don't need a sh- CBS streaming channel. We need two CBS streaming channels, and apparently that's what's going to happen. So, welcome to 2020. This is what we're doing with technology. You can send a man to the moon, but you can't watch Dynasty for free. Depressing. Well, let's take a break and get into this week's episode, which was not depressing. We had a wedding. <laughs> Are you currently listening to Dynasty as they want to be on Stitcher? If not, you should be. Stitcher is a free podcast app for Apple and Android that's home to over 260,000 podcasts. While the Stitcher app is free to use, they also offer Stitcher Premium subscription service featuring exclusive bonus episodes and ad-free listening for only $4.99 a month or $34.99 for the whole damn year. I'm currently obsessed with the podcast Groceries from Throwing Shade host Brian Safi and Aaron Gibson. It's a Stitcher Premium podcast all about, uh uh-huh, groceries. I know it sounds crazy, but it's deliciously hilarious. If you want your first month of Stitcher Premium faux free, head to stitcher.com slash premium and sign up using the promo code DYNASTY. That's stitcher.com slash premium promo code D-Y-N-A-S-T-Y. If you don't go sign up right now, I'll have no choice but to tell Blake Carrington what you did, you little tramp. 
Well, Kyler, mercifully, they wrap up this baby napping story in a snap at the top of the episode. I was worried because this could have gone two directions, right? This could have been like a whole season long thing. I was kind of thinking that where in the world is baby Blake? Yeah. And then when he appeared, he was going to be 32. That's what I thought was going to happen. Oh, my God. Like, it's not enough with Adam Carrington. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So, yeah, but I, yeah, they mercifully, as you say, they they tie this up and we move on. It's All nice. it took was for damn dumb Jeff Colby to say Grimes, and then they instantly knew that it was Daddy Grimes who had kidnapped the baby. But then he also revealed that Nick Triscani was involved. It does, it does sort of, like, come off a little bit as, like, a failed prank. Like, you get to, like three-fifths into it and you're like oh this isn't as funny or as great as we thought it would be and they're like okay it was it was grimes he did it like let's just wrap this up and move on like not so not as great as we thought it would be i do like how we swing back around to the inciting incident of why alexis left denver and her children with this affair with this grimes guy but i'm starting to get concerned because why would alexis get involved with this guy's I don't son. see her consorting in that circle, but sure. Yeah, I, I it know. seems very down market. I mean, at this point, Alexis. we've been asked to believe so many unbelievable things that I, you know. Add it to the list. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I still have a few questions about this baby napping. Remember when they went to the the baby care center or whatever and you couldn't see who came to pick up baby Blake and she was like, oh, it's you, your wife. Or There was something about that where... They were leading us to believe that there was a couple masking as the parents, but that doesn't make any sense if it was an old man and a smarmy Italian-American doctor. Yeah, I think that was just sort of like loose ends that weren't really tied up or... I don't know. Bad red herring. Yeah, something. I I mean, look, like you can't really dissect this too far because like I don't even think the writers put that much thought into it. Yeah, it started strong, but it didn't finish super strong. But it wasn't it wasn't a total waste. I I was along for the ride. I know you didn't give a shit. However, I will say it isn't it's a nice little bonbon for a beginning of this episode. And I really feel like this episode takes what happened in the prior episode where it's it goes from bad to just vaudeville camp and this this episode to me is like it's it's grand opera yeah and the good thing about the baby napping is that it gives inspiration to multiple characters to move on or light a fire under their ass so that i actually am grateful for well this is what i was saying like how like who really cares about a baby in a kidnapping i mean as far as storytelling goes like it's just an object for you know for action to occur around or upon a baby is not an object it is a life a no i'm talking life. about in this in the setting of like story writing right um and here you to your point everybody is now reacting to this the story point but it's not like the baby is like some character that's like bringing all of this like narrative. Well, if the baby had gone away and went to college and came back and was 32, then it would have been. But well, that's no, Adam Carrington. So that's sort of like the, the joy of these two parallel storylines, I think. Well, let's just go through and talk about what this baby napping did to all the characters. First, we've got Claudia Blaisdale, who is finally going back to the sanitarium. Long overdue, I say. I would just say, in in my theory, that this, this episode's grand opera, all great opera has a strong beginning and a strong finish, and everything in the middle is kind of like, I don't know, maybe there's a good aria, and that's about it. 
and you, you might even fall asleep or you know go to the bathroom for 20 minutes in the middle claudia why are you, why are you going to the bathroom for 20 well minutes? actually i'm distorting on a johnny walker but, <laughs> but anyway um, what did you have for dinner before the opera? claudia i'm loving what's going on with claudia here i mean like I, i've kind of given up on her character but at the same time you know she's just digging in on like let's let's oh, go crazy she let's was go nuts a diva descending yeah. from the staircase as they escorted her out that of was the like Carrington full mansion. yeah that, that was like full um norma desmond mm-hmm. you know at the end of streetcar named desire <laughs> yeah other <laughs> no <laughs> sunset boulevard excuse me i'm ready for my cheeseburger mr demille well i mean the whole thing at the end of sunset boulevard is like they were trying to trick her to leave the house and that's kind of what's happening here and she's like saying all this nutty stuff as she descends the staircase but is she really that crazy because it seems like everybody else is bonkers too like jeff reveals that he actually loved her when they had their little fling he didn't really that was just him talking well yeah probably hopefully i don't know it was hard to tell but maybe that has to do more with john james's acting ability then we've got those two like servants who were crying when she was leaving how were they able to form such a bond that they're brought to tears that's by all Blaisdell's again part exit. of the grand opera like th- there's no reason these these people are like having life moments on the mezzanine as she leaves and like again there's there's no we've just seen no backstory to this or why we should care no it makes no sense but it doesn't matter because they're playing this like this incredible like music cue the season two brought some nice music cues and they just kind of dialed it up here and like this is like i don't know if it's like tchaikovsky like the the fourth concerto on the violin or whatever there's like something going on with the music here it is so swelling and passionate and like over the top and like but it's just like it's just claudia like on a mezzanine saying goodbye to a nurse yeah and she's been in and out of this house like three or four times and i have to point out i'm sure she's gonna be this back. is this is directed by irving moore who's done a couple of episodes on this show more than a couple um so i don't know if like the directing has certainly gotta be a part of this mix goodbye to you sweet house take care of be sweet to all of my kind friends who sadly won't be able to join me yeah and like i don't know like what is with the like grandmas or moms like skunk rap that she like i don't know like <laughs> there's just like too much to digest here and I it's feel a spectacle like everybody's getting to wear furs on the show we're seeing it more and more you know alexis has got three or four at this point so maybe <laughs> pamela bellwood in her contract was like I'm going to put a fur on. And so this is what they tossed at her, this raccoon and one of Lindsay's old dirty toys. (laughs) The other person, strangely, that's kind of gets some inspiration from this baby napping is Alexis. So she's in the hospital, still trying to get this bedside wedding going. And this very nice nurse, I thought she was a lovely woman, is the one that informs her that the baby's been found. And that sends her into kind of a rage that she had to find out from a, what did she say, a white beast? A beastie nurse? Yeah, I don't know if she was making fun of the outfit or the nurse's ethnicity. I don't know. And like, I what, think it was her weight. A total stranger and a beast nurse, a, a fat phantom in white tells me that my own flesh and blood is alive and well 
Not my family, not one of you. Why? It was an oversight, Alexis. We were all concerned about the baby's condition after what he'd been through. No one was thinking about anything or anyone else. I am not just anyone else. You know, but this is Alexis turning it into the Alexis show again. Like, mm -hmm. it's all about me, me, me. Which I kind of get because then she sort of, sort of turns it around and say it's all about Blake, Blake, Blake or his people and his kids and his daughter and his house and blah, blah, blah. But I so. loved that moment and I think it, it provided such great insight into what her motivations are and where she's going to be going as a character. She doesn't feel like she's getting what she deserves out of any of this and hasn't been for a really long time. So it kind of makes her seem more human. And I kind of get why she wants to get married to Colby and get back at Blake because nobody's seeing this from her perspective. Am I crazy to be on Team Alexis so hardcore? No, you're not. And I would say in this episode, there's she has this moment and she has a moment later. Well, sorry, she has this moment here with Crystal. Um, and then she has a, a moment later with Crystal. And, you know, like normally I feel like Alexis and Crystal's convos sort of show Alexis up to be a little bit in over her head. Like she can't quite live up to all the sputter, you know? Mm -hmm. um, but I think in these, these two encounters in this episode, like Alexis is, she remains sort of even keel and she doesn't say things that are totally ridiculous. Although they're a little bit ridiculous. Well, when she's in the fur with a hat box saying that she's deeding the artist's studio to baby Blake, that's kind of ridiculous, but I do wonder if Crystal kind of agrees because she's always second fiddle to Blake too. So does she think that maybe she's going to turn out just like Alexis? Yeah, I don't think Crystal's worried about that. But I, I think this is all part of like how Crystal really doesn't understand how these people work. And, you know, she's stepped into this environment that she didn't grow up in, didn't come from. And she's not really totally equipped to handle it. But she, you know, she sharpens her teeth and her claws. And I think Crystal sometimes lives up to it. I think in these two moments, like, they both are toe-to-toe. -to -toe. I couldn't say that Crystal or Alexis really wins either of these these two moments they have in this episode, but I, I think it does sort of carry their dynamic. So well, and I think it says a lot about like women at this time that they were not seen as like the breadwinners or the power players, and we even we even see that with Fallon a little bit too when when she tries to take a more opportunistic. Well, you role. have to think that Fallon is following in her mother's footsteps, whether she likes it or not. I mean, you see Alexis behaving the way that Alexis does, and then like Fallon is clearly you know exhibiting all of the you know the strong-headed traits that her mother has totally. even though they clearly have not a very good relationship with each other yeah and ostensibly alexis didn't make like a huge impression on fallon because she wasn't really around for her rearing but yeah the baby napping really spurs fallon to want to create this new life for herself and i was just sipping all of everything that Pamela Sue Martin was giving us because to me it felt like finally we're getting a return yeah. to that first yeah. season Fallon you know, that it's I really so funny love. I was thinking the same thing we haven't give PS we have not given PSM a lot of love lately and this is the episode where I really understood like she's doing the things that I used to love about her so much. Yeah. She wants agency. She wants to be in control. She doesn't want to just be in the shadow of her father, even though she loves her father a lot and doesn't have any sort of a fraught relationship like her, her younger brother. But 
yeah, I'm, I just got so excited about her possibly getting involved in business and living a non-hypocritical life with Jeff, meaning I think she wants to have Get sex on that. with other men. <laughs> yeah. So I liked that. And what does she decide that she wants to get interested in? Not oil. La Mirada. You're, I think La Mirada is probably your favorite character in Dynasty. And we yeah. finally get an appearance of her. Well, I mean, this is our first taste of La Mirada. You know, this is the chips and salsa. And it's it's Spanish Mediterranean. It, it's a little bit dated. It, it could use some sprucing up and she rightly identifies that as the you know inherent businesswoman that she apparently is i mean my immediate thought was okay this is the new saint dennis club it was pretty basic but i like that it's more of a plot point and it's not just a setting another place right yeah. like denver carrington owns it Fallon is interested in running it and it's sort of this like crossroads because Adam Carrington is is staying there. And what the hell? What is a writing room? Did hotels back in the 80s have writing rooms? Did oh, you notice that in the corner? I, thought, I was wondering if that said waiting room. It said writing room. Writing room. And there was like was a that an A and not an R? Yeah, do you not know how to spell writing? It's a strange typeface, but okay, so now that, that doesn't really make it any better because I'm like, why is there a little alcove that's called a room and it's for an activity you don't need a whole room for? Well, yeah, I mean, isn't the whole lobby of a hotel a waiting room? So why would they have that? I mean, and for that matter, couldn't a lobby be for writing too? I mean, you can write anywhere you want. Well, yeah, now you just write on your phone. But back then, I guess you needed like a desk and a quill and, you know, parchment paper. But yeah. Inspired ideas from on high. <laughs> I just have never in like a movie or any other situation seen a writing room. I kind of want a writing room now. Can we take a corner of our place and turn it into a writing room? No, absolutely not. Th that's the other thing. It's like kind of a little bit ridiculous. Like the prop people kind of went over the top. Like they just put a sign on everything. Like just in case you didn't know, they literally <laughs> spelled it out for you. This is the reception desk. La Mirada bar. This is the ladies toilet. This La Mirada bathroom. Yeah, like it's like, come on. La Mirada fireplace. And of course, like anybody who's trying to fix an ailing hotel, like the first thing you see at the reception desk is like a yawning, you know, hotel clerk. Like, does anything say failing hotel more than hotel clerk that's asleep at the well, Rolodex? Well, and the staff don't respect the ownership. That one guy was talking shit about Blake Carrington and the baby napping. It's God, like, you're right. Yeah. This is the guy that pays your bills. Don't talk about his kidnapped grandson. How dare you? Yeah, well, she's doing like the classic, like, you know, what they used to call branching. You know, like, let's let's go do a site visit because normally I'm, I'm up in my high and mighty corporate boardroom. Well, I think she's qualified because... Because let's not forget, Fallon liked to get around. I think she's probably stayed in several hotels in Denver. So she's familiar with the competition. Well, she does make the one genuine joke. This may be like the one sort of touching and also funny joke in the whole show so far. Mind if I ask you what you know about hotels? Don't get personal. Oh, come on, now, don't be funny, Fallon. <laughs> and what could you do with a white elephant? Painted it a whole different color. Give it a whole different look. Blake's been trying to like dump it, he says. Yeah, good for Fallon. Now, what's not good for Fallon is uh, flirting with her long lost brother. What the fuck? First, we thought maybe she fucked her dad a couple now of seasons gonna, ago. Yeah, she's going to be a brother humper. Yeah. <laughs> 
did Adam Carrington fully do his research? Did he know that that was Fallon and he knows that he's flirting with her? Because, A, if Well, he, they didn't have Facebook in 1982. Well, but they had like uh, MySpace, right? They, they had classifieds and microfiche. Well, Lindsay got on that microfiche in season one. So I think he should have figured it out, like who his siblings were because he came up with this whole plot to get to blake's office which blake just had his grandson baby napped and now he's letting strangers up into his office like we need to get the security department overhauled at denver carrington because they're not doing their job well i i just thought it was interesting that adam carrington could even get audience with blake uh, you know in today's world you couldn't just call up some ceo at a corporation and schedule a 3:30 on tuesday yeah hi jeff bezos i'm actually your long lost son right that would never work give me free although we, i think we already kind of like put established that time. blake has the world's worst secretary he'll just let anybody in yeah you know? marcia or whatever yeah. her name is she's terrible don't give her a raise yeah i so i think it's weird if he did know that it's his sister it's weird and then if he didn't it's kind of creepy that the writers did that but i don't know back then everybody loved star wars and there was that whole moment where luke and leia smooched before we knew they were twins so maybe this is like just the flavor of the day is playing with incest (laughs) Just toying with the idea. Yeah, just like putting it out there, teasing you that maybe brothers and sisters are going to do the hokey pokey. But I have to say, I'm liking Adam. I'm liking the way he's kind of approaching this where he's just sort of slipping in. And instantly, right away, he realizes like this is not all it was cracked up to be. Not that I think that he thought he did. But he sees Blake for who he is in this moment. I know right now I'm your son, Adam. But let's both just forget that. Because now that I've met you, I'm happy to remain just the guy I was before I ever heard your name. Carrington. What a rotten family it must be. Get the hell out of here. Well, again, this is grand opera. Characters reveal themselves to you very quickly and, you know, gestures have to stand in for an entire personality. Both, actually, Adam, too. I mean, you you kind of, it's a little more nuanced, but you see, like, he's a little bit maniacal in all of this. But at least on this one, you can take his side because Blake's clearly got the bigger issue in that relationship. But, like, what's supposed to happen there? This is a little bit like of a, I don't know, like a funky reference to, what, a Prince and the Popper or whatever, you know, because he's got the silver baby rattle, which he almost mentions, but then doesn't because because he yeah. even recognizes you will just twist this into another, you know, delirious fact of your crazy story that you're going to you're going to tell your yeah, book the, that you talk. The writers were definitely cutting people off at the past because the hospital that he was born in burned down. So there's no record. So they can't really identify if he's actually Adam Carrington. And then, like, he was about to pull out the baby rattle, which would have proven everything. But. I guess rightfully so he held back on that because then he realized he didn't actually want to be part of this family. Yeah. And, you know, there's also talk about facts and, you know, Adam recognizes that Blake's not really interested in facts per se, only if they support his agenda. That's why he's not really going to go down that road, apparently. Now we have to talk about the wedding, the actual bedside wedding which, that which finally is happened. Which is act four of this grand opera. The I grand mean, finale. You know, you, you were a little... 
Eva. Things were slowing down for a couple of acts, but this is where it all comes to a big heady finish. Yes, the crescendo. Alexis in a hospital in a wedding gown. I thought she would do a more sort of a demure look, but she's going oh, all you out. Really? Are you sure about that? I mean, come on. Like, I, I do. Like, it is a little bit. I wouldn't even say trampy, but it's like it's to the knee, right? Like, so it's short for a wedding dress. But, you know, there it is. It's white and it's chiffon and she's got a veil. So, yeah, she got the, the full on veil. The, and the, the purple eyeshadow is a choice for sure. <laughs> totally. Yeah. That purple eyeshadow really pops through the veil. So you see them eyeballs. I was almost wondering, like, was the purple eyeshadow supposed to coordinate with like Cecil's groom's attire or whatever? That oh, I thought you were going to say coordinate with his gray chest hairs poking out of his <laughs> hospital gown. <laughs> They all got a pop of color somewhere. So, yeah, there was no sort of like a gotcha moment here. Cecil did kind of make her wait before he said, I do, just to see her squirm a little bit. And squirm she did. Yeah, and you still have to question like, I mean, these two are, you know, well, they're cut from the same cloth, which is a stupid cliche we heard earlier with Adam and Fallon in the elevator but you know they are two villains and it's kind of a game of like who's got more spades in their hand Alexis kind of has like a sort of romanticized experience of this getting married moment and then like it's kind of taken away from her you kind of see that in her eyes. Good acting on Joan's part there. But then she like quickly recovers and she's like, oh, yes, I forgot. We're just doing all of this to get revenge on Blake. Yeah, those two totally give me a, a Natasha and Boris vibe from Rocky and Bullwinkle. Like, I mean, they're a little more rounded than that, but sure. Yeah, well, I mean, they're human beings and not cartoon characters, if that's what you mean. But yeah, I mean, Cecil works himself up into a tizzy. I'm wondering if he knew all along that this was a way to get at Alexis and Blake or no, seek vengeance I, on Blake. I, As they've always said, no love lost. And I don't think these two really... I think they were like cohorts in crime and they they got along at a high level that way. But I don't think there was any real romance to this marriage. What are you talking about? She fucked him so hard he had a coronary. That's not romance. That's just sex, sex. and passion or something. But like as far as like a real like wedding bond, I don't... I don't think anybody believes that these two are any kind of like having a precious moment at the altar. Well, yeah, that might be why when they kiss, nobody's lips really move. Yeah. Oh, there's so much fish kissing in this episode. But yeah, that's like zero I chemistry I, I feel like kissing. They put wax lips in and then just press them. I don't think they're actually <laughs> kissing. Like their lips don't even move. <laughs> yeah, they don't. No, I, th I think Cecil's MO here is it's just like kind of a WTF. Like he's he knows he's not long for this world and there's no other way to get revenge on Blake but just pass the baton to Alexis. And so that's kind of what happens here. Yeah, and he flatlines without getting to tell her about the secret room and the voice changer, right? It's kind of nice that that's... Like that was... I needed just one moment of that. I, I don't need Alexis trying to be logan Ryanwood. all right well whatever. i'm having my fingers crossed that now that she has the keys to the colby co kingdom that she's gonna stumble into that room and start using the voice changer to fuck with everybody in the dynasty universe but we'll see just just the thing in this this last scene it's it is incredible because you get the swell of music you have the crazy costume, the purple eyeshadow, and the flat lining. On top of all of that is the defibrillator. You know, so we have the dramatic resuscitation or not of Cecil 
it is all like it is just it's grand operatic and bravo like bravo. i just feel like a big red velvet curtain comes to a, a close at the end of when the credits roll Now it's time for our look of the week. This is the part of the show where Kyler and I pick our favorite ensembles. I think this is going to be another landslide, just like last week. Kyler, what was your look of the week? I mean, I don't know. Second runner-up goes up to everybody's night clothes at the Carrington Mansion, which, you know, we, we love night fashions. And I think this episode gives you a lot of that. It's a little disturbing because Crystal's wearing some highly flammable material by the fireplace. She always is. Uh, but um, aside from that, I mean, of course, it's all about Alexis and the trench coat. And you know she's not wearing anything underneath that. But it's like it's a trench coat. Is it a dress? Is it a trench coat dress? Is it, uh, it Whatever it is, it's from the future. That looks like it's from 1995. Oh, you could wear that today. You could wear that today for sure. Well, yeah, because I mean, the 90s are back. But she was wearing this in 82? This looks like it was part of the Terry Mugler collection of 93. I would go 95, as you originally were identifying. But sure. Well, yeah. I thought Terry Mugler was ahead of the times well so. even in 95 he was ahead of the time but yeah i i would i would agree with that statement it's it's a it's almost a timeless look but it's actually not but it also fits into like ways that we can dress now or the ways that women could dress or whoever well we have these friends that are like conspiracy theorists and they were talking about how they think that matt groaning who does the simpsons is a time traveler and that's why so many jokes on the simpsons have come true I'm starting to think that Nolan Miller maybe went into the future and brought back some of the clothes for Dynasty. This is what happens when you're a creative genius. Like you get blamed for time traveling because your ideas are just so on point with the future. This is another it's going for powerful shoulders, but it's not doing it just with shoulder pads. I mean, there's probably some shoulder pads in there. Who knows? There's probably everything in there. But it's it's more about the like the over like the off the shoulder cut. Uh, that's well, and like, there's that asymmetrical detail on one side of it where it goes yeah. even further than the left side, and it's just like mm, I love it. And I, and I still I think we're left to guess if she's wearing anything under that. I mean, other than some black pantyhose. You keep saying that, which well, be, because it, it, it talking really about looks her like a trench coat with nothing else on underneath. There's no layers underneath it, so it's like it's technically a dress. But it's like this, you know, woolen sort of suiting weave material. So it could be an outerwear coat, but who knows? And it's fine. It's belted at the waist. You've got that, you know, that hot gold collar, you know, jewelry. I guess it's a necklace, but it's kind of more like a breastplate in a sense. And, you know, again, the the pulled back hair, like this this like powerful hairdo that reveals the face. And it's not soft. It's it's very hardened, you know. And I yeah, it's just a great look. This is another like it's uh, the 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 one from last season or from last episode was uh, beiges. This is like what is this grays? Yeah, it's topes, like a gray taupey tan thing. You know, so it's like it's all like neutrals that still are somehow saying so very much. striking. Yeah. yeah. Well, who knows what she's wearing underneath that? She's a married woman now, so only Cecil will figure that out. Oh wait, he did. Yeah, she went from like married to widow in like less than sixty seconds. <laughs> That's it for this edition of 
dynasty as they want to be. Kyler, thank you so much for joining me. It's always such a blast. I also want to thank the artist Lindsay Mound for designing our gorgeous logo and graphics and DJ Jugo for making our theme song. And I want to thank you, the listener, for joining us on our journey as we start to go through the third season of Dynasty. I hope everybody is watching along or at least listening along. And if you like it, give us a review on iTunes or Stitcher or wherever you can review podcast give us all them stars and tell everybody what you think about this goofy ass show where two boys talk about their favorite tv show dynasty dynasty and follow us on social media we're at nasty podcast that's n-a-s-t-y on twitter instagram facebook all the places and if you want to financially make a contribution and support the podcast we're also on patreon you can get ad free episodes and bonus episodes and all kinds of things there at patreon.com slash nasty podcast now i'm gonna make like claudia blaisdell and walk down the staircase and get out of here goodbye house goodbye drapes (laughs) goodbye pretty crystal (laughs) 